Welcome to Ripple Effect Connection. I'm your host, Christy Hugic. Our mission is to empower you with valuable insights and actionable strategies that can truly enrich your life. I'm excited to bring you another episode of Coach's Corner. This is the series that opens the door to a treasure trove of wisdom and practical guidance from some of the most influential coaches in their fields. Get ready for an enlightening episode as I introduce you to my friend and coworker today, Kelly Troop. Kelly, a functional medicine nutrition practitioner, not only excels in her professional field, she's also traversed the winding road of her own health transformation, much like many of us in this space. Her career began in ultrasound, where she immersed herself in the intricacies of anatomy and physiology while concurrently healing her body through the transformative power of food. Kelly's personal triumph over metabolic disease fueled her aspiration to become a primal health coach, veering away from conventional advice to serve as a beacon of hope for others. Confronted with yet another health challenge, she went deeper and discovered functional medicine. Today, Kelly shares her wealth of knowledge and passion for a topic that might be new to many of you, harnessing the power of seasonal changes for the betterment of your health and longevity. The best part, the tips we share in this episode won't cost you a dime. It's not about opening your wallet. It's about opening your mind and paying attention to the season you're in and making simple adjustments. Let's dive right into my insightful discussion with Kelly Troop. Kelly Troop, long time coming, but here you are. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Christy. I'm excited for you to share your knowledge with everyone. I mean, I get to talk to you frequently, so I get to hear your knowledge all the time, but I figured it's about time you bring some of that to the listeners. So first and foremost, I want to talk about your background and talk about why you do what you do and your belief in functional medicine. Yeah, I mean, I I was your standard American American. Um, I was 27 years old. I was overweight. I was a mother and I could not lose weight. I could not figure my life out. I was following all the guidelines everybody gave you, you know, count your calories, go to the gym five days a week. I was just incredibly frustrated. And I worked for an endocrinologist who looked at me for two seconds and said I was inflamed, you know, and this was back in like, 2013. Like nobody was talking about this stuff like we do now. And I was like, what do you mean? And he ran the blood work and he ran a lot of the blood work that we run in functional medicine now today. And he was just like, look at this, look at that. And he explained it to me and he goes, you got two options. You know, you can go on metformin for life or you can figure out what to eat. And he kind of sent me down a pathway of eating a ketogenic diet before people were really talking about it. And it changed my life. I was literally a new person within a month. And it was epic. It was epic because I was the child that was called lazy because I wanted to sleep because I never felt rested and ambitious like most people would. And so where most people thought it was my character flaw, it was just because I was sick and inflamed and didn't know it. Um, I, you know, grew up again on a standard American diet. I was lucky charms and cosmic brownies and everything that I could get my hands on pizza and fries, you know? So, um, I never put it all together until I changed my ways. And then all of a sudden I was this new person. I was up at 7am. The weight was falling off. I lost that 50 pounds in two months, which most people would yell at you for, but I never gained it back. Um, I picked up new habits and then I was like, why, why did this happen? So I started doing research on, you know, what could have possibly made 
the difference with food to the extent that I experienced it, especially when it went against all the guidelines that everybody was telling me to do. And so I ended up in my research, finding the Primal Health Coach Institute and going to school for that, um, I was already in the medical field. I was already doing ultrasound. So with ultrasound, you get a lot of anatomy and physiology. You can look at your organs, even though you're not supposed to. Um, and I could see things like my fatty liver. I could see things like cholesterol in my, um, you know, basically it was like thickening of my carotid arteries, which they check for, you know, for heart disease. And when I changed that diet, those things completely resolved in that time period too. My liver wasn't no longer fatty. I, my arteries had like, they were now paper thin. They weren't considered thickened. And I was like, that was all inflammation. And that was all, you know, me not eating the things that my liver needed to thrive, you know, which is crucial to our health, obviously. So, um, you know, that, that changed who I was, made me want to help other people. And you just, once you start learning, you don't stop. Right. Um, but then sometimes you think you got it all figured out, right? Like you're telling all your friends to go on the ketogenic diet and a primal diet and eat real food. And that's fun and all until you get sick again and you can't figure it out. Right. So then you're questioning your own beliefs and you're like, maybe I need to eat more veggies. Maybe I need to eat less veggies. Like, what am I doing wrong? And it took another health coach looking at me and saying, Cal, you didn't get sick this time the way you got sick last time. So you need to look at yourself differently and maybe you need to look into functional medicine. So we went down the functional medicine rabbit hole and I didn't have a lot of money. So I took a cheaper route. So I had to do a lot of the homework. I had to take what they gave me and then build upon that. But then that was another rabbit hole that I went down where I realized I was sick this time, not because of food, but because of my environment, because things that I was exposed to and that sometimes the body needs help. Food's great at suppressing symptoms. Food is great at healing some metabolic things. But sometimes when we get these deeper chronic root cause issues, issues, the body needs help. And sometimes you need to do work around your house and your environment and your habits in your life too, to actually heal. And so then I went down the functional medicine rabbit hole. Um, because again, I saw results, I got better, you know, um, the second time around I was dealing with a lot different stuff than the first time. It was no longer like metabolic disease. I had autoimmune, I had, you know, uh, where I was getting lethargic again and the brain fog and like a lot of things were coming back that were just saying, you know, screaming that something's wrong. Like your body doesn't inherently hate you. It wants to do good things by you. And when it's telling you that something's wrong, instead of being like, oh, I'm just broken. Like you got to figure out why. And that's what I love about functional medicine is that we dig deeper and we don't just look at food. We look at things you're exposed to. We look at your habits. We look at even trauma, things like that. It's really just looking at the human as a whole and not just, you know, as a diagnosis or what's wrong with that human. Yeah. And I think full disclosure, Kelly, and I will be honest with everybody here. None of us are in this space without having gone through something ourselves. And then also, we can also say it's ever evolving. We're always evolving. We're always learning something new. And I think one of the things we're going to talk about today is something that you've dug into. And I know you and I are going to have more podcasts that talk about some of the things that happened to you. But today, we're more going to talk about how embracing the seasons can promote healing and longevity. So people are going to see that title, and they're going to wonder what that means. So Kelly, give an overview of what this is and why it's important to you. So when we look at food and we look at what our ancestors ate, you know, you've got like the primal diet, right? But it wasn't just their diet that made them thrive. They had a lot of amazing habits where that's why they thrived. And those habits balanced each other. And so it, when I, you know, started 
diving down the rabbit hole of, you know, why I was sick and how to get better. You know, I, I dug deep into ancestral roots because the primal thing made sense to me on more of a level than just food. I have an indigenous background, you know, and I was like, you know, you look at communities, tribes that still exist today, and they don't have autoimmune disease. They don't have all these disease. What is the difference, right? Other than the fact that they're eating good food, what else is it? And so then we got to start looking at light. We got to start looking at different metabolic pathways, you know, summer versus winter food that rotates with the seasons, you know, and there's so much to it that needs to be re uncovered, I say, because like this was things that were passed down in the past that are no longer passed down, but we now have science to explain it to us, right? Like, people going out and doing sun salutations, right? We're like, oh, that's hokey. But no, that morning sun does so much for our hormones and telling our body what to do and what metabolic pathway to embrace. And when you're indoors 24 seven, not only is your light, not the outdoor light, right? But it's the air quality, it's everything. So a lot of times people that still live in a tribal sense, and these tribes still exist today, they live outside, they live in their environment, they eat their food as it comes with the seasons. And they have a lot of habits that they do as a community like telling stories or doing a sweat lodge or, you know, all these different things that also promote our health. So what I like to tell people is the reason why we're sick today is not usually just one thing. It's literally because we're a human animal and we're living outside of our environment. So we are a fish in a dirty fish tank, and there's a lot to look at when you think about things that way. Yeah. So what do you look at when you consider someone's in environment? Cause, cause this can be a broad, this can be yeah. a broad area. Yeah. I mean, literally it has, you know, to do with fresh air, right? Because when we live in a home, we have to understand that most of our air is likely recirculated. And that's something you have to investigate to see what that air quality is in your home. Um, it's light because the light in our light bulbs are, you know, it's blue light and outside we would have a whole spectrum and that spectrum would vary throughout the day. It's, you know, eating foods in season, right? We're not meant to necessarily live in an endless summer where we're eating fruit in the winter months because it actually is keeping us stuck in a certain metabolic pathway versus having that balance. So what I tell people about the metabolic pathway, we can touch on it real quick is that in the summer you are in a MTOR pathway, which means you are in the growth pathway. That means you want to build muscle. You want to get moving because that's what the season requires, right? Like you have all this sunshine. You're going to be more active. You're going to be needing to replace cells, fix cells, grow muscle, do all these things. But when something grows rapidly, it has the room for error, right? It has the room to make cells that aren't ideal. And while that's good in that time frame, we need to balance that with a time of cell die off with cellular healing. And that's what winter really allows us to do is if we follow that seasonal approach, we will actually have two metabolic pathways that we embrace. One that's a period of growth and one that's a period of die off and cellular healing and just a whole different level so that we don't get into a pattern where we have a bunch of abnormal cells that are dysfunctional. Um, and I guess I don't think anyone really thinks of that because they're just like, man, I can get berries in the winter. I'm going to, I'm going to have a smoothie. And we're not thinking about the fact that we're sending messages to our body that don't make sense, right? Like that we are basically confusing the heck out of our metabolism and our cellular function because we're like inside and it's hot and then we're outside and it's cold. And then we're eating summer foods in the winter and the light is nothing that we would have found in nature. And our bodies don't know what to do with all that. Okay. So we're just coming out of winter. Do you feel like society today uses this season appropriately or do you feel like it's misaligned? 
I definitely feel it's misaligned. I feel like our society keeps us constantly moving where we have things to get done. And so we, you know, have really lost touch with some of, again, the ancestral habits that really benefited our body and our mindset and all that. So, you know, everybody complains about winter because they lose daylight hours, right? Or the weather's crappy and they can't go outside. But again, once you know that like this is a time of healing, like again, you have that AMPK pathway, which is that cellular healing pathway, especially if you embrace this like a seasonal diet. Um, so you can really like look at winter entirely different. You can be like, okay, this is a time of rest, you know, and you look at nature, nature is resting, right? Water replenishes with the snow, you know, it puts, you know, different things back into the soil, like nitrogen for things to grow. Like everything needs to have different seasons for, you know, purposes of regeneration. We're not meant to go 24 seven. So when we go into winter, we've got the holidays, which is good. That's like a good, like we're spending time with family. We're likely to tell stories, you know, we're, we're sitting in a community, which is really great. But the problem is we don't seem to stop, right? We don't seem to like embrace the fact that it's darker longer and we can get more sleep. Like if you get 10 hours of sleep in the winter, I'm like, good for you. Like that's what your body wants right now. It wants to rest, you know? It wants to repair. You know, we have a lot of things that happen when we sleep, you know, especially if we're not digesting food because we stop eating earlier because our daylight, you know, ends earlier. Our cells are going to actually regenerate. It's going to allow our liver to detox because if you're just ate a meal at nine o'clock at night because that's what your job required or your day required, you're going to be digesting that food throughout sleep. You're not going to be fixing those cells. So even though we have ways to circumvent the fact that we can put lights on in the house and it's not dark anymore, it's not necessarily good for what our body wants to do in that time period because it does want more rest. It does want the dark. And those blue lights are telling you not to sleep. They're telling you, hey, stay awake longer. And it's promoting cortisol because when you look at light as a whole, you know, in the morning, there's more blue light to stimulate energy. And we have this blue light literally from morning to evening, right? And we have heat in our house. So we're not embracing the colder temperatures at night and like, you know, which help us sleep a little deeper too in the winter so that we can get that rest. So those are the things that I kind of look at when we're going into winter. And then you have like January where it's like New Year's and everyone's like, oh, I'm going to set my New Year's resolution. I'm going to get all this stuff done. Like New Year, new me. I'm going to the gym. And I'm like, wait, it's still winter. Like winter is a time of planning, you know, like sitting there and thinking about what you're going to do when the doors open up again and we can like go out and, you know, nature's starting to renew and like, we're going to renew. So really for me, like new year's is going to be spring, you know, ancestrally new year's is spring, you know, that, that spring change is like that transition period. Like I can start to implement these new goals. I can start, like, I've got this whole season ahead to get things done. Winter was a time of rest and healing and family and storytelling. So yeah, I definitely think that's out of alignment. And then so coming into spring, what should people be focusing on to best prep and to use summer to its full healing potential? Yeah, so I do think some people naturally kind of start to do the things in the spring, right? The sun's out. They're like, man, I want to see that sun. And they're going to get out there a little bit more. Um, We just have to make sure, too, that like we're actually exposing our like skin to the sun and building up a sun tolerance because a a lot of people think like, you know, I'm going to go into summer, I'm going to get a tan, but really we need to start building that back in the spring. So we don't burn. So we don't hurt ourselves. And to do that, it means being outside and like actually embracing the light and like building up that sun tolerance. So we don't burn. And that's what a lot of people miss is they just go straight into summer and lay out in the sun and they forget to build up that tolerance in the spring 
and their skin's not ready for it, then they burn. Um, so getting more light, starting to get more active, right? Getting outside more, um, you know, and the thing about light is I know that like, we gravitate towards it in the spring and summer, but we have to remember that even in that winter period, just to like swing back real quick, that light in the morning still tells your hormones what to do. That light midday still tells a story. That light in the evening still does things. Even if it's cloudy, even if it's raining, light needs to be hitting our skin and our eyes all throughout the year so that our body knows what's going on, not only from a seasonal standpoint, but from a hormonal standpoint, because we have these receptors in our eyes that talk to our brain, which talk to our hormones. So like our leptin is really controlled by daylight. Um, and leptin is something that a lot of people always want to talk about because it has to do with like losing weight and this and that. And so getting that light is going to prime your body to know what to do with leptin, which is going to balance your sex hormones, your stress hormones, your thyroid, like your insulin, like all these hormone hormones talk to each other. So definitely in spring, I think people gravitate to getting outside more and starting to implement their goals and getting active and maybe not sleeping as much. And I think all of that is great, but we have to remember that's like a really good time to start getting our skin conditioned. I also think that like in winter, your meat and fat heavy, right? If you go low carb, if you eat what would have been available to our ancestors, um, we're now getting into spring and it's actually a time of detox. So when you look at what nature provides in that time, it's a lot of bitters, a lot of greens, dandelion greens, ramps, um, bitter root is, um, something out on the, the other coast, but you have these bitters come in. And when you look at like Western and Eastern medicine, and when they start thinking about bitters, bitters promote detox. So I think it's really great to see how like in Eastern medicine, they bring in bitters for detox. We just went through a heavy meat and fat winter where we might've picked up things like maybe gut bugs. And now we're going to have these fiber rich foods that are going to go scrape the gut out and clean it out and allow our body to detox a little bit better. So again, it's the same thing. Like fiber is great, but do you want it year round? Because what it, when does your gut get to heal? When does it get to replenish that barrier? Right? So I think that plants are great, but maybe again, everything should have a season so that we can, our gut can also have a time to heal from all the scrapage from the fiber and all that good stuff too. Yeah. And I love it. And I think what people have to key on here is that Kelly's giving you all these things that are like, this doesn't cost anything to, to do. These are like literally just tweaking your habits and what you're doing every day based on what time of year it is. And so when you go to a store and there's seasonal fruits and vegetables, they're seasonal for a reason. Mm -hmm. And so you don't want to eat those vegetables that are necessarily not in season. So I think some of these things are, are really, really simple in the large scheme of things that can really help you. We've talked a lot about summer and we know it's ideal for getting outside and getting active. What else should people know about summer? Yeah. So summer is definitely going to be the time that I'm thinking I want to grow muscle, right? Like I'm going to challenge my body. I'm going to make it do the things and stuff like, you know, so I'm definitely going to be working out the body. I'm definitely going to be absorbing my sun. Like if we get enough sun in the summer, we can store that vitamin D throughout winter. So it's definitely crucial to be getting that midday sun for, you know, 20, 30 minutes based on what you can tolerate so that you can build up that vitamin D store. Um, and two, like at this time, like you have more veggies, you have more fruits. So one fun fact about fruit is that it actually helps your body like with oxygen and hydration and stuff like that. Um, and so that's like our summer way to get oxygen because there's not as much oxygen in the air because everything, the particles are spread out because things are warm. Whereas in winter, we get a lot more oxygen breathing in air because you know, everything's condensed. So like 
again, when you start looking at nature from a seasonal standpoint, you can start to see how one thing balances another thing, right? But summer's my detox season. Summer is my let's clear things out because I've got the sun to support my immune system. I've got movement, which helps my lymphatic flow. I'm building muscle, which is good for, again, cellular regeneration. So it's a different type of cellular regeneration. Like it's going to grow and there's going to be a break for that later, but it's definitely a time of, you know, you have all the tools in the toolbox at that point, you know, you, you have all this time to get outside and you really, really need to embrace it. And, you know, it's a lot of grounding, you know, which is great for us as well, because if you think about in the winter months and we're inside more, we're probably exposed more to EMFs and, you know, um, frequency pollution and stuff like that. And now we can go out and touch our feet on the bare earth and we can, you know, do a lot of things that just help our body settle and feel safe. You know, I think summer is like a time of feeling safe. You have, you know, the ability to find food, you have the ability to get outside. So it's a very nourishing time. Um, but yeah, EMFs, I think are like a great thing. And another thing too, is like, I see a lot of people with biohacking and I think it's great. Like I think cold plunges, stuff like that are awesome, but I don't get the mismatch. Like I'm not going to probably put myself in 30 degree temperature water in the middle of summer. Like that's a shocker. <laughs> like I get it. It's going to have hormetic expressions in the body, but like we can do the same thing and work with the season. Like I bet you in the summer, if you jump in 50 degree weather, that's still going to be enough polar opposite from the heat that you feel from the sun that you're still going to get the benefits and not like stress your body out. So I think we need to, even with the biohacks, remember that everything changes on a seasonal approach also. Yeah. Everything has its place. And we already all know too, that, you know, shifting our habits and not doing the same things all the time, whether you're working out, eating, or doing any of these things, it's, it's a shift, you know, you're like Kelly's having you shift with the seasons, which is like an easy way to be cued to make a shift where if you stick with the same thing, we know too much of anything is not necessarily a good thing. So this is an easy way to trigger your mind to make the shift. So we're going to go full circle. Now we're going to prepare for fall in fall to transition for winter. So how do we do that in the fall? Yeah. So when, when ancestral people look at the seasons, they're like spring is an area of transition and falls an area of transition and summer and winter are our main like areas, you know, to like where things really just are like the polar opposite. So fall people are going to eat more and that's, that's, you know, that goes with our holidays that goes with like ancestral habits as well. Like it's time to like prep your body to make sure it has enough nutrients to make it through a winter where there might be more fasting, there might be more low carb, you know, so you are probably going to eat a little bit more. You're going to start preparing yourself for cold now, right? Like it's good to get out there. And like, so your body starts to say, Oh, something is changing. Like, again, you're letting your body know that winter is coming. You know, that rest is coming. Like it's, it's just letting your body know what's happening makes it feel safe basically, you know? So it's, it, there's not a lot of craziness in the fall that I've found, um, in my research, but it's just, I noticed that, yeah, people eat more. We're starting to get more cold. We're starting to sleep a little more. Things are just gradually like approaching those winter months where like, there's going to be that. So you're not just going from summer to winter. You're basically bringing things in slowly. So your body's like, Oh, I know what's going on here. And so it has that safety mechanism of not feeling like shocked completely that oh, all of a sudden it's winter. So so is a pumpkin spice latte part of that fall <laughs> transition? I always think I mean, that's a transition to fall. <laughs> I would think that the pumpkin is. I mean, like, you know, those squashes and gourds are definitely our fall uh, 
fall foods there. So um, I don't know that the latte has much pumpkin in it, but I bet you you could uh, you could make it so. I'd probably go more for pumpkin soup. <laughs> That's right. I I do make my own pumpkin spice lattes with pumpkin, actual pumpkin in it. Yeah. So I will give people the recipe for that because it's really delicious and really good and there's no sugar in it. Guess what? Yeah. So we'll give you that um, when it comes to the time. And then now what about if we live down south, say, does this change the approach? Does where you're geographically li living change the approach? To a degree. I mean, I think like you guys down South, you, you in particular, like you, you do, you have more sun, like, so you are going to be a little bit more active, but the food still change, right? Like they still have their seasons, you know, in that atmosphere as well. So just paying attention to the foods, like, again, you can do a cold plunge in the winter, probably just by going into the ocean, let you know, versus trying to like really shock the body. I do think, I mean, your daylight's still going to decrease, right? So there are still things we can bring in. And what's nice is like a lot of in ancestral tribes are starting to realize too, like this is what kept their previous populations uh, healthy. Um, there's been a lot of studies with Native Americans, like if they eat their traditional food, they don't get diabetes because they're genetically more prone to diabetes. You know, like you and I know that genes are a, a switch that's flipped, but now other people are starting to figure that out too and really starting to embrace traditions. Um, so you can research your area and say like, what happened here? Like, what did these people do that used to live here? Like, you know, cause the, you know, I might have ramps in Pennsylvania, but in Wyoming, they've got bitter roots. So like even just the herbs that we can find or the plant nutrients that we can find can change too. And of course the ones we have in nature, like just a little side fun fact are always going to be more nutrient dense than those grown in a greenhouse because they're stressed. So they're being made do their job. So they're going to be more nutrient dense. They're going to have more anti-nutrients because really when we eat plants, the anti-nutrients stimulate our immune system. And that's why they're such great antimicrobials. So we want the ones that are grown in a good environment in nature, stressed out that have more of those to give, um, but yeah, I'm really excited to be able to like research different areas and start to see those old traditions and habits too. So, um, and I did forget to mention in winter, you know, you, a lot of times it is like about preserving heat. So even though it's warm indoors, we're not necessarily messing up our circadian rhythm. We just have to be mindful that we still need to have a lot of exposure to cold so that in the light so that our body knows what's going on too. And then like you, cause you know, people would be hunkered in, in a home with a fire, with a lot of red light, you know what I mean? Saunas, you know, back then it was sweat lodges. So those things still existed, but you have to, again, have that relationship with nature. So your body still knows what's going on most of the time. It's about majority. There is no perfection. It's about doing as much that aligns with the seasons as possible. If you had a chocolate covered strawberry over Valentine's Day, I'm not smacking anyone on the wrist. Like we all live a little, but it's always about what you do the most consistent versus being perfect. So. Yeah. And we, when you look at what we do, I'm going to try to sum this up too. And for, we can try to sum this up for people in some tips, right? Can you explain, you know, just in general, the circadian rhythm, waking up to light and also finishing eating when it's dark, like just explain that in general to people. Cause there's some general themes here that eat, no matter what the season is, you you're, it's going to change with the season naturally, but some tips that you can implement no matter what the season is and just follow the lead of nature. 
Yeah, light is probably the most important thing. I, I, you know, and it does. It's year round. Like you need to be getting light on your naked eyeballs, no glasses, no contacts, no in between a window and the outdoors. Like you need light on your eyes at least several times a day. And it's not anything that has to be super lengthy, like 20 minutes, 10, 20 minutes, like go walk your dog, go stand outside for a minute. You know, um, that's all it takes. You know what I mean? So in the morning, when we get that natural light, again, it kind of stimulates our, it's got more of a blue light spectrum. I mean, there's a whole spectrum, don't get me wrong, but we, there tends to be more blue light in that part of the spectrum. So it actually tells our body, Hey, it's a day, like, let's get some energy. Let's bring our cortisol up and not like cortisol spiking. Like when we're stressed at a natural healthy incline, you know, so that we can have energy for our day, perhaps more than what our coffee gave us, you know, we're dependent on coffee, but what we really should be dependent upon is light. Um, you know, so we get our motor going and then midday that light, you know, again, it just kind of reminds us like different times a day in the summer, it's great for vitamin D, but in the winter, it's just, again, reminding us of the season, what's going on. There's not a lot of metabolic change there unless it's summer and you're getting the vitamin D, but it's still good to have light throughout the day versus being indoors and having that blue light 24 seven. And you're still making, you know, still making that cortisol midday. Now you're outside and you're like, Oh wait, I don't need to make cortisol. This is what time of day it is. Like I like to sit near windows. I like natural light. Um, I just make sure that I get some without the window as well. And I will tell you a hack if it's winter, just open the window, right? You're sitting in the warm house. I get it, but you're still getting the full spectrum of light and it's not being blocked out by the glass. So like, if you have to do it that way, that's a great hack to do it. Um, and then evening, that's when our body starts to wind down. And so the cortisol is supposed to drop and the melatonin is supposed to come up. But if we are stuck in that perpetual blue light indoors, that won't happen. It may affect our sleep and being able to get a deep sleep. So again, it's like 20 minutes, you know, it might even be less than that, but just get outside, do something real quick, watch the sunset go down. It's like a moment to de-stress even from your day. And then once I get indoors, I like to do things like not turn on regular lights. Like I like to light candles. I'm like about ready to bring back oil lamps. Like what's nice though. I mean, there's a biohack for everything. So you can bring red lights indoors and you know, you can wear blue blockers on your face so that again, you can get that nice deep sleep. Um, I saw a lovely post the other day where a family started eating by candlelight and I was like, Oh my gosh, like that would be so awesome to have that moment. They said they feel like their kids are calmer. Like they have more like conversation, like it just changed the whole environment. So um, I think when we're constantly in that blue light, like not only are our eyes stressed, but I feel like our body even gets stressed too. And they're finding like, it's affecting like the health of your eyes. Like it de- uh, blue light actually depletes vitamin A, which your eyes need to be healthy. So one of the fun little, um, tidbits that happened since I started embracing light myself and like making sure that I get enough of it is I actually started wearing my glasses less too, just out of habit because I wanted to absorb the light. My eyesight actually got better. So I went from like yeah. a negative 2.25 to a negative 1.75. And then again, that will throw me down a rabbit hole. And I've got all these people saying like a lot of times your eyesight goes bad at a time of stress, like emotional stress or health stress. And just because it went bad does not mean it can't go better. But if you're constantly giving your eyes a crutch, they're not going to get better. So she'll step people down on their prescription so that they can actually allow their eyes to heal. And of course, you know, providing your eyes with nutrients like vitamin A. So a lot of times, like even right now, I'm not wearing my glasses. I'm not wearing contacts. Um, I will wear them if I drive or if I'm doing something far away, but it stopped making sense for me to wear glasses when I'm looking at a screen where I can actually see normally. So. Yeah. And I think you, you've hit on 
throughout this podcast about like the things that go back to our ancestral roots that now we're recycling to heal. You think about like, why did, you know, our grandparents tell us to have chicken noodle soup when we were sick? It's because of the bone broth. So we go back to bone broth. You know, we go back to why were they eating liver and onions? We go back and tell people to eat organ meats. What are some things like that, that where it's like, you know, we've already touched on some, but returning to our ancestral roots, like every, that is what it's all about. It really, really is. I, I tell people we become privy all the time, right? Like I don't have to eat organ meat, so why would I? But then when you start looking at it from a science perspective and you're like, okay, I'm a human animal. And so I'm going to eat a carrot, which has beta carotene. Well, beta carotene is a nutrient for a plant. So our body has to do that conversion. And when our bodies are stressed, and I will tell you, every body out there is stressed. Like we've got environmental toxins, artificial lights, pathogens that we're exposed to, like that conversion necessarily might not happen if your body's trying to just keep you alive, which is your body's goal at the end of the day. But it's like figuring on short term things and not like, oh, how do I get this vitamin A out of a carrot? Whereas if you eat that beef liver, the vitamin A is in retinol form, easy absorption, easy pickup, right? So yeah, when we're in functional medicine, we're trying to get someone to heal. We're like, your body needs the easiest to break down nutrients. And I'm sorry, but that's not going to be pea protein. Okay. That's a plant protein. Like it's not going to have the amino acids you need. It's going to be rough on the gut because it's a plant. It's going to have anti-nutrients that bind to your calcium and magnesium. So while I think plants are important for detox, I think we need our animal proteins as well to you know, make sure that we're getting as many nutrients as we can and not having to work super hard to get them when our bodies are already stressed. Yeah. We talk about this all the time. There's not one perfect diet. You know, it's like if you're eating with the seasons, your body needs both. You need that dose. And this is why being a vegan can be really, really tough. And not that we're advocating one way of eating over another. It's just how you're getting nutrients, the way it's delivered to your body you need all of these things, but there's a time and a place for all of it. So I, I think that's important for people to remember. Right. And like, if I'm going to go vegan, you know, spring and summer is probably when I'm going to try that out, you know, probably mostly summer because spring things are starting to grow, but like, we're going to have more abundance in the summer and then yeah, winter switch to the meat. Like, again, like it's about balancing things and you know, it's not about just doing one dynamic. And I, we get really orthorexic when we find things that work for us and myself, I've been guilty of it. Um, but like we have to watch with food too, because it's just like anything else. Like you lower inflammation enough that symptom gets suppressed. It does not mean that you rebalanced and it went away. So I see a lot of people like stuck on carnivore for life because they feel so good, but I bet you those imbalances are still there. You just kind of silence that alarm a little bit. So we have to do the work. We have to dig deeper. We have to keep that functional medicine aspect in mind. Um, be promoting detox at all times because our environments are dirty, you know, things we touch, we absorb, you know what I mean? So we have to constantly be mindful that like, yes, our bodies need our ancestral rhythms because we have to detox now more than we ever had to in the past. So. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I know that this is wisdom you put out in the world all the time. So I want you to, to let people know how they can connect with you because you're always sharing your research and what you find out. So how can people connect with you and follow what you're up to? Yeah. Instagram is the best way to reach me. I mean, if you find me on Facebook, I will, I'll probably accept you in, but I share more on Instagram and it's the real food revel, which there's a whole story about how I came up with that name years ago. My kids were like, why? And I'm like, let's not get into it. But, um, yeah, Kelly troop, the real food revel usually on Instagram is the best way to get me. I like to share all kinds of clinical pearls from everything I went through that flatlined my health. Like I said, we'll talk about another time to like my ancestral habits that I'm un like uncovering. 
Uh, hopefully in the next year or two, I will get a book out. It's my goal. I'm going to start writing about this stuff because I think, again, this is knowledge that we're losing. And so the more I can talk to people that are, you know, studying this, the more ancestors I can reach out to that, you know, are passing this stuff down. I'd love to have a resource for everybody to be able to see the science behind it too. Cause there's just stuff out there we just don't even think about. And another crazy one, um, real quick before we end is water, you know? So a lot of us are drinking dead water that's called H2O. Our body converts that to H3O, which is living water, which has a charge. And so that's hard for us to get with plumbing and stuff like that. That's something we'd find in a natural spring, which not everybody can access. There are ways to charge water and stuff like that. But when you start thinking about charges, you know, when it comes to grounding, whether it comes to H3O and water, like that's crucial for our cells to transport nutrients. Cause it's not just about what you eat either. It's about what you can absorb and our cells need to exchange voltages to move things. So when you see like water in nature and it's moving uphill, you're like, how is that happening? Right? Like that doesn't make sense with gravity. It's cause charges are repelling off each other and our blood moves the same way. So we have to also think about our environment of not getting stuck around EMFs all the time. So another reason to get out in nature is just to make sure that your body can absorb its water so that your blood flow moves at a proper rate. You know, how much clotting do we have these days? Um, things like that too also play a role. So yeah, all that stuff you can see me nerding about on Instagram and hopefully I'll have a book someday that everybody can look through it and learn everything that I've uncovered in my rabbit holes. <laughs> Yes, it's been great. It's a great sneak peek and a great sneak peek into some of the things that we all talk about, you know, on the side. And just after this podcast is over, I'm immediately going to walk the dog to get some get some of that sunlight. So I'm immediately inspired to get outside. So I live in a beautiful place, so it's easy to do. But, you know, to all of you, again, there's some simple tips in here that you can implement in your everyday life. So, Kelly, thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing it with everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I was happy to be here. So. That's a wrap on this episode of Ripple Effect Connection. I hope you enjoyed Kelly's wisdom about eating and changing your habits for the seasons. It's something so simple that could be so impactful. We're all about giving you simple and easy tips to change your life. I'm always up for your feedback on this or anything else. I love the conversations about the podcast topics on social media. So always feel free to continue that conversation on Instagram at Whole Health Christy. You can also get the full show notes for this and all episodes at christyhugic.com slash podcast. Next, spread the love, spread the inspiration, like, follow, and especially if you can take a minute to review the podcast, it means a lot to me and it really helps get the podcast in front of more people. Share this podcast with others who may benefit from these stories and this information. Stay tuned for the next episode of Ripple Effect Connection. Let's create waves of change together.